Welcome to Lunch with Tech Leaders, where we have engaging conversations about software development and cloud engineering with industry leaders and subject matter experts. These episodes are created by the Great Lakes Tech Leaders, an online community of technology practitioners. Please come join the conversation by visiting gltl.rbn.ai. Again, that's gltl.rbn.ai. Now strap in, because we're deploying to production in three, two, one. Yeah, great. Uh, thanks and welcome, uh, everyone, to the Great Lakes Technology Leaders uh, podcast, Out to Lunch with Tech Leaders. So, um, yeah, let's get started here today. Um, Travis and I put up a document for the community to, to, to look at. Um, and, um, you know, I think probably most of us have, or, you know, I'm assuming most of us are familiar with AWS. They They basically put everything out there. Like they give you everything, all the tools, everything's publicly available, um, you know, in terms of reserved instances, spot instances, compute savings plans. Uh, they've got a tool called Trusted Advisor and, uh, you know, the cost alarms and things like that. So we wanted to kind of uh, go beyond like the obvious ways to save money, but touch on the basics. And, um, you know, if anyone has any questions about uh, like the basics of, of savings in AWS, feel free to just put them in the chat or, or speak up now. But yeah, um, you know, it's all out there. AWS, there's no gimmicks. There's no uh, there's no magic wand. Um, and so I think we could take this into like maybe more of like a some of the higher level things that you have to deal with through cost savings and just kind of like the strategy as a business for cost savings and uh, yeah, any any thoughts, uh, Travis, on where you want to where you want to start? Um, I can talk about one of the things that I think was a real gotcha in one of my last companies, which was just have foresight, like separate accounts for everything. Like it makes it so much easier. You can create as many AWS accounts as you want for free. Um, so if you think you know your your business is going to grow and you, like, um, and it's just easier to keep things separate. Like, you know, pr from a security perspective, from a cost perspective, if you just throw your sandbox in one account, your dev in one account, your stage in one account, you you know, your marketing team should have could have their own account. Like you could really just separate it by so many different ways to make it real easy to to just manage. Like that's like a day one way to, you know, separate and understand costs um, back to my where I used to work. It was just like we had everything in one account. And as we grew and scaled to a you know ten million dollar plus company, it was really hard to get granular on like what the what the spend was with all these different things in the in the account. So, yeah, I I think um, you know beyond just you know coming up with a strategy for splitting things into different accounts, uh, tagging is very important, and tagging can become very powerful, especially at the organizational level using uh, using organizations um, and kind of having a single payer account, um, the tagging that you implement across your organization is really powerful coming up with a strategy um, that allows you to, you know, slice and dice um, your costs, whether, whether you care about the, uh, maybe the product, uh, a certain service environments, um, ta tagging is very, very helpful. 
Yeah, when you just go ahead, Tom. Add on to what uh, what Adam was saying, right? Like the breaking things up by the the accounts um, and the tagging, but but definitely the accounts by uh, the different business units, and, um, and and also from production to development costs. It uh, the biggest thing to me with helping with costs is the accountability, right? When it's when it just falls on one team to uh, you know your infrastructure team or whatever like that to manage the costs of AWS, it um it, it's kind of it's kind of hard, right? But once you have it split up into the multiple accounts and it's it's very transparent, right? Like this team for their development is spending this much, right? Or it's this much to run this app in production. Uh, and with that visibility or right, the transparency, it kind of just leads itself to that accountability of those teams to control costs themselves. Because, um, yeah, it's, it's very hard for one team to be like, hey, you should do this when, you know, there's no uh, accountability on another team to actually care about their costs. So making that transparent visibility, I think, really helps. And that lends itself to having those separate accounts like that. Yeah. Good insight, Tom. And I, I didn't want to take a chance to just let you introduce yourself, Kyle. I, I think you, a uh, community member, actually wanted to – you brought this uh, topic to the to the community. So feel free to introduce yourself and let us know how you're – what type of experience you have with, a, you know, hosting costs and some of your strategies. Yeah, of course. Um, thank you, Adam. So I'm Kyle McAuliffe. I'm a senior manager of DevOps operations and IT at Aptiv. Um, was originally part of Control Tech, which was a startup that was acquired. Um, been working in AWS now for almost 12 years. Um, been responsible for our cloud spend for probably about 10 of that. So um, have a lot of uh, history with uh, cost optimization, tracking, and uh, I think it's just an ever-evolving and uh, extremely important, regardless of kind of economy um, uh, topic. Yeah. Well, nice to have you here, Kyle. And I think, you know, Tom, you really hit it on the head. I, I was always frustrated, and maybe, Kyle, you can relate, where my CFO would want to talk to me, you know, talk talk strategy, talk budget. And it, it always felt like the, the spend was on, like, my shoulders as a tech leader. When I, and, I, and I as much as I tried to explain, like, well, you know, the product team should have, should have a say in, like, you know, they should be thinking about the cost of this thing they're building before they build it, right? It's not just it's, – it's really hard to come um, after something's been delivered to go back and say, oh, this is too expensive. We need to refactor it so that it's, you know, using open source and serverless so that it's not costing us a fortune or, you know, right? It's just – so the more you can get out in front of it, I think the better. Um, you know, and I think as – engineers we like consumption based model you only pay for what you use it's great we love aws but then from a finance perspective they always they don't like that cuz that's uncertainty one month your bill can be it can go it can shoot up 30% one month it can shoot up 10% just from going to february to march just because of the number of days in the month and the, you know it confuses them i've explained it to finance people over and over again um and you know they they want us to be able to predict the future um and and budget for what we think we'll need but i had a lot of i had a lot of trouble doing that cuz things happen you need to horizontally scale scale out your your sql server environment you need to increase the instances running behind your main api just to meet the load cuz you know your customers are migrating to the cloud 
it's a challenge, and I and I, I, it it makes it hard to tell the future. But I think the more um, you involve finance, involve the product team, involve the engineers, that it should be a shared responsibility. It shouldn't just fall on one person's shoulders. Anyone have any thoughts on my incoherent ramblings? I, yeah, I think um, all true, and I think to the earlier points of, of tagging, of, of getting a more granular level view on things, and really that transparency into it, you know, having that at the get-go, you know, you can have certain, uh, you know, features that are deployed, you can measure the, the cost improvement or uh, otherwise with those, um, and, and kind of see over time what that looks like, how it scales. You know, hopefully, um, you know, workloads that are being run or revenue generating. So if there is an increase, that should be because of, you know, increased use. And so being able to, you know, uh, correlate those together is useful because there are also parts of the system that are not revenue generating. Um, and so trying to understand, you know, the breakdown of those and explain that to finance that, yes, costs are up, but they're also related to this new feature we launched and you know, we're monetizing uh, is a good thing. Yeah, I think the... Um... The, one of the bigger KPIs that I like to look at is like the hosting cost per account. So you know your AWS, your hosting spend might be going up, right? But if if your if your hosting cost divided by your number of subscribers, assuming we're talking SaaS here, is going down, you know you you kind of you can you can show to finance like, hey, yeah, our bill's going up, but like our actual, you know, our cost to host an, a new subscriber is actually going down. So that would show that you've got a scalable architecture. Um, things are somewhat predictable. Um, that was in the, in the other KPI I usually kept a really close eye on was just like the daily spend, like the daily run rate, you know, cause it gets to like several thousand a day. You, a single blip can, can cost the company five, 10 grand. So, um, just keeping an eye on the daily run rate. I'm, I'm curious to know if anyone else on the, on the panel here has any like kind of, KPIs that we'd want to share with the community and, and, and keep track of? I know uh, one of mine is always just um, percentage of mainly the, the compute environment covered by commitments, so RIs or savings plans. Mm-hmm. So there's a, you know, generally I found in the past, you know, depending on your uh, variability from day to day, um, you know, if you're running a fairly stable workload, Maybe you can get up to like 80, 90 percent commitment uh, without being, you know, uh, overreached where, you know, you're committed to something that you're not actively using um, for more variable workloads. You'll obviously want less than that. And then, you know, trying to add in, you know, other savings mechanisms like spot instances um, and how you balance, you know, your commitments versus your on demand versus your spot to try to really uh, get the best bang for the buck is um, something that I track as a KPI it is that percentage breakdown of each of them. So, so that kind ahead. of uh, brings up sort of the an issue that we had when uh, when transitioning to the more granular, you know, each team, each um, workload having its own account is is sharing those um, you know RIs and savings plans across that and, and working with the different teams because yeah, it's it's one thing if you know it is one shared account and you can see it easier um, to do that and, and plan for it. Um, versus, you know, everything being disparate like that. I know, I know it does apply to all of them, but still being able to, to see it and, and kind of predict where it's going is kind of a challenge for us when we get more granular with the accounts. 
I think the other thing that's hard to see is, you know, daily you see a chunk of your savings plan attached to like, you know, that that is charged. But how do you know how much of that savings plan like is going to which business unit? Like that's hmm. it's been a challenge I've seen. I'm just taking some note, <clears throat> adding some notes to our uh, document because I think you guys are bringing up some good stuff to to look at. But um, yeah, the other, <clears throat> um, you know, the topic I want to touch on before we um, look at, talk about the well architected review is, um, you know, I, I view cost savings as an opportunity. Um, you know, when you if you're kind of making that transition from like, say your day-to-day -day engineer, your DevOps engineer, your developer, um, maybe you're thinking about make, going into like a, a lead or management position, um, taking some initiative with cost optimization, I think is a great way to um, highlight your your value to the organization. I think, you know, Travis, you can probably speak on it recently with what you've done. Um, but I just think it's a, it's a great way to, you know, it might not be this. It might not be where you envisioned yourself as an engineer, but like it, it, saving tens of thousands of dollars is uh, can be exciting if you if you've got you know uh, if you if you got a knack for it. So um, yeah, yeah. I I think you know one of the one of the things with like saving costs is like as you start to really break down and understand your costs, you can start to go to like senior management. You can say, well, look this. This, you know, the fact that we're running, you know, each team has it has its own environment. This is costing the business, you know, added up maybe millions of dollars a year. You can start to to bring that to them, and they go, well, look, how many developers is that? We need to revisit. We need to think about a different way to do this, and and that really um, that can have a big impact in the organization. Um, you know, also, you know. Questions of we're running, you know, databases, you know, a dev database costing a certain amount of money. What what opportunities do we have to move off of RDS? Maybe we can run this database on EC2, save a bunch of money there. So there's a lot of, you know, as you as you slice your data, you can learn a lot and make informed decisions on those. Mm -hmm. I see you nodding, Kyle. Anything to add um, as someone who's kind of filled that role of of trying to manage the, the, the cost optimizations for an org? Yeah, I think, you know, um, to, to Travis's point, looking specifically at your architecture and how you may be able to better leverage different services, you know, I think uh, to, the, to his point, something that's on RDS and running it on EC2, you know, maybe not uh, traditional, but depending on the architecture could result in a lot of cost savings. Um, I know... Uh, and another amounts just you know looking at the, the the largest line items for the month and just seeing you know is it EC2 is it S3 RDS and and really just trying to tackle the low hanging fruit first. Um, something as surprising as just you know right sizing or, or modernizing instance types uh, can result in in uh, fairly significant savings with fairly low effort. Yeah, so I'm interested, uh, Kyle, um, since you've kind of you've been doing this for a long time like how do you as the, as it sounds like all of the the hosting spend ultimately boils up to your domain and then how do you from a strategic position like get 
the rest of your org involved? Like, what do you, you know, if you could share a little bit of your pro, I don't want to know your secret sauce by any means, but it's like, how do you, how did you, sounds like you, you've been successful with your approach. So I'd like to learn more about it. Yeah, I think, you know, really it is looking at uh, kind of the 80-20 rule. Um, where can you put the least amount of effort for the most return? And it, it you know, over time, as multiple teams and uh, business units are, are using AWS, they may not all be following best practices. You know, they, they may move their storage from EBS to S3. Great, there's a cost savings, but it's all hot. And so over time, that grows and you notice, hey, you know, we're paying a lot in S3. Let's look at that. Oh, it's all hot storage. Well, if we just moved it to infrequently accessed for things older than X amount of days, and again, AWS has tools to recommend all of this to you, what what that lifecycle policy should be, you know, could result in X amount of savings. And, you know, there are some that can be executed upon without um, involvement of other teams. And then there's other ones that, that will be, and that those are the ones that you really need to understand the potential savings um, and have those conversations to say, you know, we will need your team's involvement, but if you were to do X, Y, and Z, it would result in, you know, this amount annually. And it's usually fairly easy at that point to get um, finance or or someone higher up uh, the food chain to to sign off on that. So when it comes to the actual, like, nitty-gritty process, is it like, are you guys, do you guys like put tickets in a in a JIRA board or is it more like a you reach out for ask request a meeting or send an email like just kind of like what's the actual nitty-gritty to kind of get the process started yeah so you know I find that it helps to start at the top level uh and it's an iterative process so you know having a you know weekly monthly quarterly uh cost optimization review with, with um you know uh, senior leadership, uh, if finance is involved, all the better, where you can kind of go over, you know, here are some things that we've identified, here are some things we've accomplished, here's where we're at, here's the forecast or trends. Um, when something comes up, it shouldn't be a surprise, right? You can kind of foresee different, you know, fluctuations here and there. If you're looking to save costs and you identify a big one, you then have the buy-in from uh, senior leadership so that when you go down the chain, it's not a surprise. It's kind of been waterfall down that, hey, we may need to change, you know, from MySQL to Aurora. It's going to require some, you know, schema changes, some uh, code changes, and we need to get the effort estimates for that to understand if it's something we should do or not. Um, I think it starts a bit higher level, and then once you kind of fine-tune what needs to be done, it gets into the normal, you know, agile process. It gets slated into the team sprints um, and executed on. Yeah, I'm a big fan of getting the bigger cost savings initiatives like directly into a product roadmap. You know, a lot of times cost savings ties directly into technical debt, right? So it's just like if you want it to get actually, if you want it to get done, it needs to be elevated to that level of almost almost a roadmap type, even though it's not a feature, uh, but it could result in better performance, better resiliency, better stability. It's kind of like the unspoken features. Um, you've got to get it. Uh, you got to bring it up to the highest levels and get sign off and get buy-in. So it sounds like you've got a a, a good team and an organization that kind of buys into to your approach, Kyle. Yeah, I would say so. And, you know, I think part of that is, um, you know, being able to, to execute, right? So if, if uh, you, you identify some major cost savings, you get the right teams involved, and you're able to show after the fact that, yes, these changes did, in fact, save us X amount of money, um, any future 
you know, recommendations you bring to the table, uh, you've kind of gained the, the trust of, of the organization uh, to be able to continue. You're not just kind of uh, blindly throwing darts that like, maybe this will help. Let's let's spend our time trying this. And then you didn't actually recognize any cost savings. Um, the other thing that, you know, kind of it's an obvious one, but should be noted where it's just like, you know, turn off the lights when you're not using them, right? So if there's dev databases that run 24/7, like unless you're doing 24/7 development work, those those things shouldn't be running. It's pretty easy to 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 create some automation to to turn things off when they're not in use. Um, it's you know because the, the lower environments can be quite costly. Um, so just dialing things down over the weekend at, overnight. Um, I think is a great way to to save some money. Um, pro tips for decommissioning of things automatically. Um, wanted to just kind of see, you know, quick fire. What it, what are, what are people doing to like automatically turn things off? I, we've got like, uh, you know, lifecycle policies for S three, right? Um, any like what else? What are some obvious ones that people like to use? I think we did some automatic cleanup of unattached DBS volumes. I've seen I've seen that as a common one. Um, your RDS snapshots, those can be really costly if you let those build up. So to me, it was always like it seems like storage is the obvious place to have like airtight policies, um, especially when you're a young org, like because it can get real costly real quick, and it's easy to like kind of keep tabs on these things. Or you know, easy to kind of get out in front of them. So I don't know if anyone in the group had like other obvious things that they like. We automatically clean up this stuff every week or something. Okay. Um, we used yeah, we used to even at one time we had like uh, we would kind of attach tags to certain cloud formation stacks and like if we knew that it was. Um, over a certain time, we could, we would automatically decommission, you know, at the cloud mm -hmm. formation level. Yeah. Um, great. Well, I did want to um, transition to the um, well-architected review, the cost optimization pillar. Um, it's a great resource. I think you could you could basically take if you read through it, it's almost agnostic to any any hosting environment that you would be running in, right? It seems like pretty, it's not really specific about being in AWS and there's, it talks about, you know, how to get finance involved, how to establish governance, um, how to do monitoring, um, making sure you're right sizing and cost effective resources, um, optimization over time. So I think it really lays out like pretty much a playbook if you're, um, almost at any stage in your organization's growth, you could you could read through the well-architected review and cherry pick the things that make sense for where you're at in your journey. And I think it's a great way to kind of um, understand best practices, um, get more people involved in the org when it comes to to thinking about cost and cost savings. Um, yeah, anyone have any? Thoughts on the well-architected review? Read through it. Uh, a fan of it. Um, don't dis disagree with it. Anything? 
silence is acceptance. I'd say, uh, yeah, I definitely don't uh, disagree with it. it. It's it's an area that um, I'd like to leverage more often um, as more than just, you know, a one-off. It should be uh, something you kind of revisit from time to time as applications and systems change. Uh, I think everything, you know, it, it's obviously grown over time as well. And I think, you know, everything that it calls out as you walk through it is, is you know, extremely important and uh, impertinent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, um, in case you didn't know, you can usually go through a well-architected review and uh, depending on the findings and what you commit to addressing, um, Amazon is, is pretty gives you some lucrative credits um, towards your bill for like remediation of uh, the findings from a well-architected review. And the well-architected review covers uh, many other aspects of your environment outside of cost. Um, but, you know, cost is, uh, is an important one that it's it's so important. It's one of the five pillars of the well-architected review. So if you haven't gone through a well-architected review, um, there's a lot of companies out there who will just do them uh, pro bono, uh, no charge, because um, that usually derives more work. So, um, you know, keep it in mind or make a recommendation to to your um, to your team that hey, we should go we should go through the well architected review process. It's not going to hurt. You're gonna you're gonna find things out about your environment, your app, your security, your cost savings that can uh, benefit you know everything you're doing, trying to do with your with your applications. Any other? Uh, thoughts before we call it a call it a show here i think we had a good talk i appreciate everyone's input uh but uh if there's nothing else to be said i'm i'm happy to call it a conversation for today yeah i'd just like to end on the uh the transparency that i brought up before I, I think that's the the biggest thing you know when you can show you show the whole company hey this team is spending this much and this team is spending this much and they they're comparing it against each other you know it's almost like the the gamification of it um, and and uh, there's a study by I think it was DT right they did um, like the best way to find uh, how to lower your power consumption and the best way to do it is showing what their neighbors are spending right or, or mm-hmm. how they're saving um, so yeah it just translates to that right that that transparency to what the other teams are doing you know being called out you know, it's really helpful. Like- yeah, I think it also just introduces a level of accountability that that isn't there otherwise. Yeah. Yep. Um, on that on the note of transparency, how, how do you feel about um, users' access to the billing console in AWS? Tom, like a read only. Do you think most most if you're if you're if you're an engineer on a team, should you have access to the billing console to see what's going on there? Because a lot of it just seems yes. like. It, Okay, yeah, I think we're I we're probably going against the grain and from a lot, and with a lot of orgs and that because I've you know it just seems like for whatever reason that type of stuff is kept under wraps. Kyle, do you what's your you know if you're if you're able to kind of how do you approach that uh, policy? It, it, it's it's evolved, so I think it went from originally you know long ago we were one account, um, and so there's a bit more hesitation there because you can't necessarily scope it to um, you know, relevant workloads. But as you have multiple accounts, it becomes much easier. Yeah, I mean, you can, see, like, I want you to see what you're doing. Uh, you should have the ability to. Uh, and so I think that uh, becomes much less of a of a barrier concern. 
yeah, kind of keep the the prod access under wraps. But if you're kind of working in your sandbox stage QA environment, like yeah, you guys should know exactly what you're running, what it's costing, etc. Even though I'd be, I'd say I'd make the case that having read only access to prod, having that information, like it, it I think it helps people understand like at a, on a bigger picture, like what is going on and how much it's costing us to do it. So I'm in, I'm in team Tom and that, and I think it's a great, uh, you know, final thoughts on the, on the talk here. So appreciate everyone yeah. hopping in here. Um, looking forward to more talks um, and growing this community. So uh, wish everyone a great rest of the week and take care. Yeah. Thank, thank you very you. much. Take it easy. Yeah. Thank you everyone. Bye. Bye. Bye.